Awesome. Welcome to the New Street X podcast. I'm so excited today to talk with David Lopez, the founder of Night Kids. Now, before David introduces himself, I'm just going to read out a brief introduction from one of his websites. It all started as a three-year-old, playing Super Mario Brothers 3 on the NES with my older neighbor. Shout out to Ben, who took the time to play video games with me, as it meant a lot. My love of video games and technology stemmed from this early, unforgettable experience. I created Night Kids NFT because it allows me to combine my love of gaming, technology, creative design, cryptocurrency, and diverse online communities. I love meeting new people, learning from their experiences, and I'm often inspired by others' passions, stories, and different perspectives. My first project, Sleeper Hits Volume 1, is an ode to my grandfather, who encouraged me to be an architect before he died. Little did I know that he meant being an architect of a movement. Welcome, David. So happy to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is uh, amazing to be here, honestly. Just getting to meet you uh, and Eric has just been a life changer, honestly. I'm so happy to hear that. I feel the same way, man. I mean, I'd love to hear maybe in your own words, how would you introduce yourself to the audience, people that don't know you? Oh, I'm a strange guy. I'm a weirdo. I love anime. I love video games. I, I love helping people. And that's my biggest thing. So for me, my whole project is about finding underrepresented communities or artists that have such a different style. And I try to just raise people up because if, you know, the old saying, it takes a village, it really does. It takes a village to, to really get a good community together and to help support each other. And that's one of the reasons why I love the NFT world so much and why I even felt confident in creating Night Kids because the community has just always been about helping one another. And it's the most inspirational community I've ever been a part of because corporate America <laughs> that doesn't cut it there. For someone that has no idea what Night Kids is, how would you describe the project and also like your inspiration for how it all started and what it is today and how it's evolving? So I would say that Night Kids is like a cultural mix mash of different artists. It's based on a season pass, kind of like if you were watching like a TV series, right? There's five episodes for this upcoming season and each one is very, very different. So we usually find six or seven artists for each drop that is totally unique and different from any artist that we've ever worked with prior. We mix mash their traits and their art styles to create a ton of pieces using generative technology. The whole reason that I started Night Kids is because I was friends with some really cool dudes, uh, Pop Wonder, Ray Lars Dom, Brain Vomit, Cake Nygaard, Cullen Colors, Kill, and I was just like, well... These guys have really dope art. How can I create a platform for these people, for my friends, and for anybody, honestly? And I came up with this concept of Night Kids, reaching out to them and and talking to them about my ideas and how I wanted to go about and challenge them. Because the whole experience for me is, is letting these artists have fun and challenging them to do something that they've never done before. So none of the artists from the first drop have ever done anything with architecture or having to work with like windows that were placed inside of the the housing, the architecture. We had seven different styles of housing that range from like a Spanish to contemporary art deco, geodesic dome, a trailer. And they just really smashed it out of the park doing their own perspectives on things. And what's the uh, plan for what happens next with Night Kids? So if I understand correctly, it's basically... You have a platform 
where you curate a group of artists that you've known and want to get in the platform to kind of mishmash stuff together. And then as time goes on, will you be recruiting more and more artists to be part of Night Kids? Or what's the plan for each successive drop that's going to happen in the future, if you're able to share that? Oh, yeah, no, most definitely. So like I said, we try to find at least six to seven artists for each drop. Um, besides our drop two, we did all the work in-house. So drop three, we have six new artists that we've never worked with before. We have four artists from our first drop um, that will be doing some super special limited edition work as a separate, smaller drop, but kind of still coincides with our drop three theme, which is sneakers that we're making for Decentraland. It's going to be a totally different experience than what most people have ever seen or felt in this space. Each sneaker is going to have four different layers to the full template. So you have a chance of getting one of four layers with a total of six different artists. So you can get one with four different artists, one with, you know, half and half or just all in one. And what we'll be doing is if you have any of those layers, you'll be able to choose the NFT for Decentraland as a wearable, their full color piece based on your layer. And also when it comes to future themes, like, so you mentioned one of the drops themes was like architecture. Another one is sneakers. How do you decide what those other ones are going to be in the future? Like what's a sneak preview of what future themes might be? So the whole premise of Night Kids is every drop is actually based on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. When I was in high school, I was in like AP psychology and I really, really love psychology. I honestly wanted to be a child psychologist, but I realized that I get too attached to people. And if anything were to happen to one of those kids that were under my care, I would never be able to forgive myself. So at that time, I was actually taking a marketing course in college and I was like, well, psychology is just another way for marketing, right? So marketing and psychology, I feel, just go really, really hand in hand. So I was like, well, how can I blend the two? And I thought, well, everybody, if they, if, if Maslow's hierarchy of needs really, really works, how can I interpret that into an NFT to give people those bases? So our first drop was property. The second drop was food. Our third drop is going to be like uh, respect, self-esteem. Our fourth drop is going to be based on, it's going to be the six basic emotions, but it's supposed to be like love and friendship, you know, like bonding, because everybody needs these basic things to feel like a fulfilled life. Our last drop, which is going to be self-actualization, I can't give too much away on that yet, because even with drop four, we're still trying to figure out everything. I have really crazy ideas. It's just waiting for the technology and, and trying to figure out if what is in my mind can actually be worked into the blockchain. Well, in that case, when people are purchasing some of the NFTs from Night Kids, like what do they receive and how do you see that evolving over time? Like the Night Kids community, you mentioned, you know, there's like a finite amount of drops. And then what happens after that? If I want to participate in this, be part of it, what should I expect? night kids to evolve into over the course of the next year or even further? Oh, that's a great question. And I've pondered that a long, long time. So I have plans for a cultural DAO with our NFT, uh, our fearless token, which is an NFT that gives you access to this greater DAO. Our drops three, four, and five 
2.5% of what we take in is going to the DAO. So that way we can start buying up like one-on-one artists and just have proposals. Because for me, the whole point of this project is to put money into the hands of artists. Because at the end of the day, if you can give an artist like a secure funding and see what they can do from there, like a really great example is Brain Vomit. Brain Vomit he went through a really tough time. He was going from like, I would say NFT to NFT sale was how he was living. And he made enough money where he didn't have to worry from drop one. And you know what he ended up doing? He ended up doing his own NFT project. Gary V got on it. And now he's blown up working with Adam Bomb Squad and the hundreds. He's my biggest success story, honestly. And I'm so proud of him for going through what he had to go through to get to where he is. It's a really inspirational story that I love sharing whenever anybody asks me about the impact that Night Kids has had. It's impacted a lot of lives in very big ways. I mean, Pop Wonder, he was huge when we started this project together, and he just kept rising, and he's just doing crazy things now. Uh, Cake Nygaard, he's another a great story where he took his time, he didn't have to worry about anything. He started his own NFT project, sold out in like under a minute, absolutely insane how these guys are just getting recognized for their hard work and their beautiful art styles. And each of them are very, very different. So for me, what I'm looking at is is building a cultural DAO and trying to blend in more artists, give more artists more recognition. We do smaller drops. I call them starlight events, where I try to find an artist. Um, we just had one actually for Valentine's Day with this Ukrainian artist named Oksana Vinachenko. She created this beautiful uh, oil painting with different colored uh, flower petals because just like snowflakes, right? Each flower petal is very, very unique and is 100% like you cannot find another (laughs) tulip leaf or petal that would be the same. They're all created 100% unique, which is absolutely beautiful. So, I mean, every person is 100% unique in their own ways. We may share some common things like... uh, hair color, eye color, you know, but at the end of the day, inside, we're all 100% different. So the whole thing is, is really just finding more artists, giving them a platform, giving people a way to get art from these guys for really cheap. So as long as you have a Night Kids membership pass, you'll be able to mint any of those projects or you can get them right on the secondary. We have a brand new website being built for that so you can see all of the collections that we've ever had and collections that are coming up too. That's so amazing, man. I love the mission. It sounds like you're doing successful work to help promote artists and give them a better opportunity. Now, if I'm an artist, how can I potentially get involved? Should I just reach out to you, go on the website, contact form? And two, if I'm not an artist, but I want to participate. So you mentioned, you know, someone could buy Night Kids members, a member's pass. And you mentioned like the cultural DAO. Is that something that's it's still in the future, or is it something people can join it like today as well? The cultural DAO you can join today and buy the and the fearless token, which was done by Josh Pierce. We're still waiting for some regulatory stuff because I live in the shittiest state, unfortunately, in the United States for laws with cryptocurrency, New York. So it's really trying to figure out, making sure that everything that we did last year is legal for this year and going forward which is an arduous prospect, man. It's, it's, it's really tough, but it's understandable. You know, it's everything I want 
is to be done legitimately and without fear of anything coming back and hurting anybody that puts any money into it. If you're an artist and you want to become involved, just reach out to me. You can just hit me up at my Twitter, which is at LazyBoard, or you can hit me up at NightKidsNFT. Either way, you can join our Discord, and I'm there every single day, all the time. Just (laughs) send a message, I'm there. If you are not an artist and you know, you're a builder or something, one of the things that I want to do with our cultural DAO is have proposals where if you have a really great idea, like kind of like Shark Tank, you have a great idea, man, I want to hear about it. I want to help fund it because to me, human capital means more to me than investing in, I don't know, stocks or bonds or any of that shit. That only goes so far and is putting money into, my opinion, the wrong hands. I want to put money in the hands of people that I believe in. Well, I can just say from my side, you have a new member, someone who wants to be a member of this DAO. I'd love to participate and be part of this. I'm really inspired by everything you're saying. Now, I'd love to know, man, I mean, before Night Kids and everything, what's your background? Like, what were you doing beforehand? And how did that, how did you get into the world of, I guess, like crypto and NFTs and art? Because that's, I'm always curious to hear, did you come from a background completely different? Or what were you doing before Night Kids? Oh, man. So let me start with like crypto. I got into crypto really early because of video games, man. When do you play video games or like you're in that kind of sector of technology, you find out things so early in advance. And I remember like Bitcoin when it first came out and trying to figure out, holy shit, how do I mine this thing? And I I was in high school, so I couldn't afford it at the time to buy like a graphics card, which were astronomical in price back then to be able to mine such a thing. But I've tried to figure out ways into how to get more involved with it. And I had a bunch of friends that really helped me understand it. And from there, what really got me into... So I've, I've been into cryptocurrency since like 2013, 2014. NFTs in 2019, I took a trip to Osaka, Japan. And while I was there, one of my favorite DJs who's based uh, off of this record label in Hong Kong... I own every single one of his cassettes. His name is Vantage. And I believe his handle on Twitter is Vantage Noise. And so I got to meet him by pure luck. He had just moved to Osaka in this really small bar. I want to say I was the only person that wasn't a DJ that was there. And I got to talk to him about like what his future plans were and whatnot. And he told me about this thing called an NFT that he was doing on Nifty Gateway with this great artist named Kid McGrath. And I was like, well, whatever you're doing, bro, I'm already going to support you and I'm going to buy it. He, so it launched and I had no clue what I was getting myself into. Nifty Gateway does these, these crazy drops. Like his drop was five minute open edition. Well, I was working and I missed that five minutes <laughs> and I was devastated and crushed. Uh, his floor went from like, I don't remember, it was like a hundred bucks at the time for the mint. And it was like, a thousand dollars. And I was like, well, I'm working at United Healthcare at the time as a business development analyst. I was like, I'm not going to be able to talk to my partner at the time. Like, uh, Hey babe, how do you feel about me dropping a cool grand on this NFT? (laughs) And I knew that wasn't going to fly. So I waited a bit, did some studying and tried to figure out like what it was, how can I spin this to make this into like a, yeah, you know what, David, it's okay. Why not spend a thousand dollars? 
Thankfully, something happened where the floor kind of fell down and I was able to snag his number one edition for $300, which is funny because at the time there was like this, this really prominent collector, 888, an illustrator. They just were buying up all of this stuff and it was just became like really, really competitive and the prices started to rise. So my, my biggest <laughs> learning experience here was a fat fingering the sale of this NFT. And I was like, at the time, I could maybe sell this for $10,000 now. And that's a huge life-changing amount of money for me. So I uh, fat fingered and sold it for $1,000. <laughs> it's instantly scooped. And with Nifty Gateway, there was no like, hey, this is the floor. Don't put it underneath the floor. Or are you sure you want to put it at this price? There's no way to communicate with anybody about like, hey, this was a fat finger, obviously. Do you mind sending it back and I'll send you a couple hundred bucks or something? And, you know, as oh, a, a gesture of your kindness. Yeah. yeah. But at the end of the day, I actually ended up rebuying that piece for a cool $8,000. So big learning lesson of having to spend a, an additional seven grand on a piece that you... You know, I'll never sell that piece ever again. It's just, it just means too much to me. But yeah, man, I was just a business development analyst at United Healthcare, trying to bring in commercial clients. Before that, I used to work at uh, Excellus Blue Cross Blue Shield, which is like a smaller community healthcare agency. I worked as a sales analyst and I helped with uh, retention and strategy and planning. So that's mainly my background is working with a lot of spreadsheets and, and tech. Well, another thing that I'm interested in is where your like maybe passions come from, maybe from childhood. Cause right before we got on this call, you know, you were showing me some of your favorite sneakers, your tattoo for Inter Milan, all the merch and collabs with Dragon Ball Z. We haven't even talked about like what kind of art you've been into throughout your life, apart from like all the buddies you've had who are in the art world, maybe like, Wherever you want to start, love to hear about some of your passions, like whether it's Inter Milan, Dragon Ball Z, the, some of these cool sneaker collectibles you've been collecting, or just the art you're into. Maybe we could do all of the above. Yeah, so I mean, I'm a huge Inter Milan fan. I feel bad for whoever I marry because they're, they're going to have to wear a jersey with me every game day. I wear black and blue every single day because it's tattooed onto my arm. I, it's And the way that it's tattooed, it's really close to my heart because the reason why I even chose Inter Milan is their their message is brothers of the world. They were actually created because their uh, brother team, AC Milan, wouldn't allow players to play with them, certain races and stuff way back in the day. So they were like, you know what? Fuck you guys. We're going to start our own soccer team. And it's going to be about inclusivity, not exclusivity. And I've never seen another soccer team that has that kind of ethos or message. So I was instantly like, it just hit me right in the heart. I look like a very white person, even though my last name is Lopez and I grew up in a ghetto and stuff. So, you know, very poor and whatnot. I was actually homeless for like six months when I was in like fifth grade. But I mean, yeah, growing up on like the South side of Syracuse where there's a lot of, you know, riffraff and whatnot. And a lot of my friends growing up are people of color. So seeing their struggles, it really changed me as a person. And one thing I don't shy away from is saying that I am privileged. I'm privileged that I look like a white person 
with a Hispanic last name because when police or anything have ever been involved with me, I've always gotten like it the easy way out. I haven't had to worry too much about the stuff that people of color have. But aside from that tangent with Inter Milan, like, yeah, I feel bad for, for whoever ends up next to me. They're going to be going to <laughs> games and all that stuff. They're going to have to learn up because I don't miss a game at all. Zero excuses. Uh, it's it's literally my biggest passion. Okay. I, I love, just if I could comment on that, like I love the intensity and the passion. And also what I love is that it seems to be a deliberate choice, right? Sometimes people are like, oh, I'm a fan of the Yankees because my brother was, my dad was, my my family was. But you made like a conscious decision based on the values of that club, which I find very admirable. And also in the 90s, my favorite team was Inter Milan because of Ronaldo, you know, 90s Ronaldo. Now I'm, I'm not like oh, a diehard yeah. fan by any means. Oh, yeah. but I, the real Ronaldo. Right? Yeah, I, I had the jersey when I was a kid. Yeah, the real, the real OG Ronaldo. Um, so that that was my connection into Milan. But I love that you have that. And it was a conscious decision. It's not just like random based on your family, you know? Yeah. And actually, I, I didn't get into soccer until high school. The people, my friends, they were all really big into soccer. They're Arsenal fans, Chelsea fans, Liverpool, Manchester United. And I was like, I don't want to jump on these bandwagons. Let me let me look outside of that. And, you know, there's Barcelona and Real Madrid, Juventus, you know, AC Milan. And then I saw Inter Milan. My favorite colors are black and blue to begin with. But what, like you said, you know, the thing that really hit me was their inclusivity. And, you know, I had one team that I really do have a lot of respect for is Liverpool and their uh, ethos of you'll never walk alone. That was a very, very close second team. But I hope we crush them in the Champions League. Uh, we have to beat them three to zero in our next game. Uh, so hopefully we'll win that. But yeah, those are the two teams that were that made it to the to the end. Them and uh in Chelsea because I just love their their uh, stadium. I love their uh, the colors on their jersey, the blues. Them, yeah, I really like them as well. Yeah, no, I love that passion. And from the other stuff that you were telling me about earlier, like if you could get if you could describe like you know those. Kobe sneaker collab with Gutter Cat Gang, the art you're interested in, Dragon Ball Z. I'm starting to see, like, based on, like, that introduction about why you created Night Kids that I read out, where, like, you've got this, like, interesting mix of passion. So I'd love to hear you, like, maybe talk about just briefly, like, some of the other stuff that you're interested in that, that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm really into video games. I mean, I own a PlayStation 5. I own all the systems, man. Like, it's just what I did when I was growing up. My mom worked three jobs. And to keep me from, you know, going outside and mixing with the riffraff out there, my mom would get me like a video game and I would just really learn it. You know, shout out really to Final Fantasy because those games on PlayStation really, really changed me as a person. I had an old boss, man, named Jenna McKenzie, who uh, hired me when I was going through a really rough period uh, at Excellus. And she uh, told me that I had this save the world syndrome. And I definitely do. I want to try to save as many people as possible. If that means by helping them doing X, Y, or Z, you know, just helping people, giving them a voice, listening to them and trying to put the pieces together to help them. That's just really what I like to do. And it really came from these video games, like in Super Mario, you're always trying to save the princess, right? Like she's always getting into some shenanigans, you know, Final Fantasy, you're always trying to save the world or you're trying to save a country, something. And I'm a really, really empathetic person. 
just based off of you know my education. Uh, I went to Catholic school my entire life. My mom, she was a teacher, social worker, huge empath, and I got a lot of great qualities from her. So um, you can thank my mom, honestly, for raising me to be the man that I am today as a single parent too. Yeah, she means everything to me. And so I, I know that I'm making her proud with uh, my mission and the vision that I have with this project. Some of the other passions that I have, right, are in art. So I do collect art from a vast, uh, there's not like a particular type of art that I like. It just has to be different, has to be eye-catching, can be moving. So I mean, I have, I have deliberately tried to find different artists from different countries too. So I have collected artwork from people from Thailand, from China, uh, Australia, um, Norway, um, just anything that's super different and that just vibes real well and that that person is a good person. I don't try to like buy from like, a, I don't know, maybe pretentious people or people that think that they're better than others because we're all the same at the end of the day. If we both, if the president of the United States was to bleed, he's going to bleed the same color as me, just like the same, like from the president of Pakistan or, you know, even Putin, he, we're all cut, you know, bam, it's red. That's just the way it is. I never had a, a problem talking to like C-level executives, even in corporate America, because that's just how I feel. At the end of the day, there's just another person. Do they deserve respect for what they've done in their past and where they're going? Yes, they sure do. But that doesn't mean that they walk on water. Some of the other things like, man, when I would come home from school, Cartoon Network had this block of just crazy anime, man. It was like Sailor Moon, Dragon Ball, and man, I can't even remember the other ones, honestly, but those are like the two biggest things that really helped me too. I like Goku, even though he's, he's just such a good person, <laughs> my favorite was always Vegeta because I felt like he was always so misunderstood. He just, he had this passion inside of him to be the best at all costs. And over time, you could see his character arc where he became a little softer inside after meeting Goku. And I hope that I can be that kind of person where I can inspire other people to soften up. Like we have toxic masculinity in the workspace, right? Like men aren't allowed to cry, all that kind of bullshit. Like why can't a man just be a person? Why can't a woman just be a person? It shouldn't have to be all these lines. They can blend, they can blur, and they're starting to now. But at the end of the day, my passion really lies in people. I just love talking to people. I love meeting people. I love hearing their perspectives because I don't know everything, you know. And if somebody says that they do, holy shit, hook me up with them because I have so many questions. But getting other people's perspectives helps me balance myself, helps me bring in new values and understanding to things that I may have never have realized before. And it's all about human connection because that's what we really crave at the end of the day is human connection. That is so true, man. I mean, I'd, I'd love to go down this line of thinking and, and conversation even more, but maybe but before that, I, I thought it was so cool what you showed me earlier, the story you told about how you combined Vegeta with sneakers in Japan. So you know what I'm talking about. Could you tell me the story about how you sought after those Vegeta sneakers oh, in Japan yeah. and why that, how, how that happened? Yeah. So I'm not a huge sneakerhead by any means. I, I would say that, like, yeah, I have a nice collection, but, man, there are some people out there that it's a thing for them, and I love that. 
when Adidas said that they were doing this collab with Dragon Ball, I, I was like, I have to get, I have to get every single one of them. It was just such a big moment in my life when I was a kid. When I tried <laughs> in America, I failed every single time. I was not able to buy any, and I was heartbroken. I went on this trip to Tokyo for fun. I was there for two weeks, and my partner at the time, she was like, "Well, how do you feel about going to the Adidas store?" And I was like, "Oh, why?" Why do you want to tease me like that, man? I got there and they had every single sneaker, and I except for the Goku one, of course. But I tried every single one of them on, and like I said, Vegeta has always been my favorite character. So I tried them on, and I was like, these are actually the most comfortable sneaker, and they're my favorite character. So I had to go with them. I still have the box and everything; like <laughs> they're in really good condition. I barely ever wear them. I think I've worn them maybe maybe six times and they've been out for like maybe three or four years now they're probably my I, favorite I love hearing sneaker, that story honestly the close second i have was from a charity auction from the gutter cat gang they were uh christmas game christmas day game worn sneakers from malik monk i got them for in my opinion an absolute steal a six eth and he came with their one of one prototype Kobe's with it's a gang gang on them. They have, you know, gutter cat on them. He signed both of the sneakers. He gave me a signed Jersey. The box is signed by the artist that um, helped create the sneakers that he wore in game. And they're probably the most beautiful sneakers that I have too. Um, you can see that they're, they are truly game worn. They have like the creases right in the right places uh, I'm a little sad that I don't have big enough feet to actually wear them, but at the same time, I don't want to because, I don't know, they're just too cool. I love how, how did Guttercat Gang collab on that? Or was that just like fan art that Malik Monk put on there? I'm just curious how, you know, Guttercat Gang, the NFT collection, how is that involved with the sneaker? Oh, so Guttercat Gang, they are heavily, heavily underappreciated in the NFT space. They have so many collaborations in the works, I'm sure, with more NBA basketball players. And I'm sure they'll do other sports too, but I know they're focusing heavily on the NBA. They actually have, you know, athletes from football, the NFL, the NBA, that whole Gutter Cats uh, gang species. And, you know, Gutter Dan has been working his ass off trying to make these connections. And it's honestly inspirational for me because... The whole reason why I even started this is Night Kids, right, is, is watching Board Ape Yacht Club. I got into there really early, and I found a, a person that was like-minded with me. And it didn't work out, but all of the ideas were originally mine anyway. So going into the NFT space, I just got all this inspiration from Board Apes, from these other collections, and, and Gutter Cat Gang. I feel like they're like my my brothers, honestly, more than any other NFT collection. I have a lot of respect for their hustle, for their game, uh, what they're trying to do, what they're trying to accomplish. And the amount of respect that I have for them uh, is, <laughs> I, I guess you can just tell, <laughs> it's really high. I have a lot of respect for them and what they're trying to build. Because um, it's it's more than just themselves. Like They could have just sold these game-worn sneakers and pocketed it, but it went towards a charity of Malik Monk's choosing to help with uh, tornado victims from his his hometown, from his state of Alabama. So that's that's why I got him. 
that's such a cool story because I wasn't aware of, I mean, it's so hard to keep track of all the different NFT projects and what they're up to. And also there are different connections to, to charities or to sports teams, et cetera. So it sounds like Bored Apes was an inspiration for you. Gutter Cat Gang's an inspiration for you. What are some other NFT projects that you're interested in right now? And maybe like, what are some that you're interested in, but also maybe some that are underrated? I mean, you mentioned Gutter Cat Gang might be underrated, but like, love to just hear your take about what what kind of projects, because there's so many, like what stuff are you excited about? Yeah, oh, that's a really tough question, man. I don't mint a lot of projects, to be honest. Because I, you really have to do your own research and trying to make sure that you're not getting into some like scam rug pull. It's like at its all time peak right now of scams. So trying to find like a project that's heavily like underrated, I would say anything that's led by an artist. If there's a project that's led by an artist, I feel like those should be really supported. One of the coolest artists that I'm working with on our drop three, her name is Amber Vittoria. She has different drops that she does herself uh she is great great brand great brand oh my gosh she has worked with so many cool brands so she's worked with like gucci she's already worked with adidas originals she just did like a release with victoria's secrets uh pink she just dropped a pink sweatshirt yesterday which is still available it's really awesome it's in her iconic typography that she does in her own style with her color ways <laughs> It's just so cool being able to find people like that. Like F. Dot, he's also a part of Drop Three. He has a cool thing going on. I can't really say too much, but it's with another sneaker brand that's based in uh, the United States. I can't wait for him to be able to announce that because all the work that these guys do, right? It all comes full circle because people will, will look into them, right? And they'll say, oh, wow, these guys worked with Night Kids. Holy shit. So just being able to find these guys early, right? All these artists. So any artist-led project I'm really big into, like Brain Vomit, um, His Garden, definitely check him out. Cake has his caked apes. Future projects, I mean, I, I'm honestly not the best to be asked about that. I, I own a couple like X-Copy slash MFers, so they're XMFers, because I loved X-Copy's grifters, but they just got out of hand with pricing. So I can't, I can't afford one of those. So I was like, well, this is a cool little project where I can have a little MFR with a X copy on it. What you've built in terms of like the people that you're working with and stuff sounds like some, some of the most forward thinking, awesome artists in the NFT space, but considering you've got such a strong network of people in art, I'm also always curious for some of your artist friends, not all of them are probably into NFTs, right? And personally, I have conversations with people who sometimes are still like very cynical or skeptical of NFTs. Uh, and these are like artist friends of mine. Do you have those kinds of experiences too of people that you're trying to help educate on why NFTs could be good for them? And how do you have those conversations? That's an excellent question. Because honestly, this comes up a lot. People will be like, their conception of NFTs is, it's bad for the environment. Anything that you overconsume in is going to be bad for the environment. Oil, bad for the environment. <laughs> you fly on a plane, bad for the environment. If you charge your cell phone, the electricity, even though your phone's at 80%, you're trying to get to, to 100, that's terrible for your phone and it's bad for the environment. The whole purpose is to have a battery, is to drain it as much as possible. So the same thing with NFTs. If you just if people just stop charging their phones at like 
that 20% where they start freaking out, the amount of energy that we would save it would affect the planet in such a different way that NFT, this conversation wouldn't even be had about NFTs taking energy. There are some carbon neutral uh, blockchains, but I mainly work with Ethereum. I think it's one of the best, uh, that in Tezos. I haven't really found any artists that use other blockchains or projects really with Solana but or Matic, but I feel like Tezos and Ethereum are the two best blockchains for an artist to start on. So I always talk to them about that. And I always let them know, like, if if you do have these questions about whether or not you think is the right thing to do, irregardless of the money, because sometimes the money is really nice, right? But a lot of artists, they're not really here for the money. They're really here to get their work out so it can be appreciated. Because at the end of the day, that's what most people want. They just want to feel appreciated for their hard work. And you can just tell because some people are just so grateful when you buy a piece of their artwork. And those are the kind of people I like to surround myself with. So even if I find like an artist, a friend of mine that's like, ah, I'm really skeptical, I always hook them up with another artist. I'm not an artist personally, so I can't really explain to them the process of why I think it's the best for them. I think putting two people that are like-minded um, together and saying, yeah, go ahead, you can talk with Haftad, or you can talk with Brain Vomit, you can talk with whoever, and they can explain to you why they believe in it so much. And then that inspiration, it really gets, it's infectious. It gets transferred to them, and then they start really looking into it. The only problem that I really have seen is that now that NFTs are getting like more recognition, they're putting like non-compete clauses or you can't, if you're an artist in like the video game industry, you can't say that you work for this company. You have to be anonymous while you're trying to sell your work and that kind of thing, uh, which is a bummer. I, I get it. I understand, you know, business is business, but at the same time, there's that human element too, you know? No, I think that it's interesting to see how things will evolve, both in terms of how artists who aren't in the space get more into the space because I see that happening. It's not going to be simple, but it will happen. And also how, like you mentioned, maybe bigger companies and brands deal with this. I'd love to know, I mean, it's it's hard for any of us to, of course, like look into the future. But what do you think is like the most, you know, we're at the beginning of 2022, roughly, after a crazy, crazy year of NFTs 2021, there's a lot more that will happen, for better or worse, without trying to necessarily predict the future, what are some like trends or things that you're going to be looking out for this year when it comes to like the broader NFT art crypto space and how these worlds are coming together? Man, broader, I honestly, I wouldn't be able to answer the broader. It, it's going to really just go to like probably pay to earn gamification tokens, which is cool to a point, unless we're all doing the same thing. I mean, I've never played Axie Infinity, but I have been told that it's really, really boring. And if your product is boring, yeah, people are going to play it to earn money. But at the same time, what kind of experience is that? It's not an experience at all. So I'm really hoping like with Gutter Cat Gang, their pay to, to earn game for their token for gang, I see that being more, I hope, like a GTA kind of style game. That'll be pretty dope. I kind of try to find like niches that haven't been filled yet. So one thing that I've been exploring and looking into myself for Night Kids, I have not seen any spoken poetry or like like people like doing poetry readings as an NFT. That's one thing that I haven't seen. 
another thing that I haven't really seen that I'm working on myself, because I'm not an artist, but um, I would like to say that I do have an eye for design. So I'm trying to figure out how to learn certain you know, Adobe products and other, other things that may be able to help me with my craft. I want to do like clock faces where the interface, right, is really beautiful and you can put it on your wall, right? So it's a digital piece, but then you can play with the contract and put in your time zone. So let's say like you're in time zone for Eastern, but you move to the West Coast, you just have to pay a gas fee or whatever, and it updates your time zone. And you do that all around the world, you know, because then you're not stuck with a clock that doesn't really work. There's no utility behind it. So there's just little things like that I'm trying to figure out and trying to see what I can delve into myself because this this space is just really inspirational to me. As like I said, I'm not an artist, but I'm learning. I'm growing as, as an artist. I'm growing as a person. I have really good friends that believe in what I'm doing, and they're all giving me that self-confidence that I need. They're helping me build that up. No, I, I really look forward to seeing what you do and I'll I'll I would love to participate in Night Kids and just follow you on that journey and that mission that you're on to just like help artists and bring more attention and bring more success and bring a light to what they're doing more than what currently exists. Now I'd love to before we close ask you the same two questions that I ask people. The first is, you know, where can people find you? Uh, I know you mentioned earlier, but love for you to say it again. And then two, what's like one last message you'd like to leave the audience? So you guys can find me at Lazy Board on Twitter or at Night Kids NFT. Our website is nightkids.io. All of our information's on there. You can go to our Discord. I'm there all the time, hanging out. Anybody wants to chat, chat about anything. I'm an open book. Like I said, I love to learn about other people, their experiences, their cultures. I mean, that's what life's all about, right? So I try to make it as fun as possible. One other thing uh, that I like to say is there's a lot of things going on in this world right now. Just don't give up hope. There's always light at the end of the tunnel and we're all going to make it. I love that last message. Thank you so much. It's a beautiful message for us to end on. Thanks so much, David. Thank you, Tony. Thanks for listening to New Street X. You can learn more about David and Night Kids in the show notes and learn more about New Street at newstreet.com. Make sure you like, follow, subscribe, and give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify.